Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Hi, I'm your host, Jack McLean, and today my guest is Liv Knowles, the high-performance manager at the Hawthorne Football Club. During our most recent live collaborative event, Liv's topic of choice was how the menstrual cycle can affect athletes' training and performance. Highlights from this episode, we discuss how does the menstrual cycle function, how the menstrual cycle can affect athletes' training and performance, and what are some important tips for developing footballers to understand and start implementing, and common misconceptions from athletes and coaches. Before we start this episode, for those coaches wanting to learn how to create an online successful coaching business and make an impact in elite sport, then our Coaches Academy is for you. You get access to a step-by-step roadmap to launching your own online coaching business, extensive training library and exclusive discounts and tools. You'll also become part of our active and supportive community filled with strength and conditioning coaches from all over the world who can help you along your coaching journey with practical feedback, support and advice. All of this and more make our academy the number one place to be for strength and conditioning coaches wanting to start, manage and grow a successful coaching business. To join, head over to academyprepareliceapro.com.au. Let's get into today's episode with Liv Knowles. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for jumping on, Liv. Thanks, Jack. Let's uh, dive straight into it. Um, talk us through how does the menstrual cycle function, firstly, as a bit of an intro. Yeah, it's probably good context for the rest of the, the chat. But um, the menstrual cycle, um, if we talk about a 28-day cycle, knowing that a normal cycle can last from anywhere between 21 and 35 days. But if we talk about a 28-day cycle, just for this context, um, it's separated into two phases. So the first is a follicular phase, which will last about 14 days. And the second is the luteal phase, which will last that second 14 days. And you have ovulation in the middle there and the bleeding at the start of the follicular phase. So those are the two phases that we're working with. Like I said, there obviously is a lot of variability in cycle length. So we Mm -hmm. also know that most of that variability comes about from the follicular phase. So most women will actually have about a 14, 15 day luteal phase. That's pretty consistent. So you can actually count back from the start of your cycle and work out when you ovulated in the previous cycle by counting that 14 days back. And so if you have a, a short cycle, you know that your follicular phase is probably shorter. If you have a long cycle, it's because that follicular phase is longer. Um, and they're obviously, as I said, characterized by those, those, those different um, features. So the bleeding in the follicular phase um, and the ovulation to start the luteal phase. And if your uh, cycle has changed um, from, yeah, 35 one month, can it go drastically the next month to a 28 day or is it? Or do you tend to sort of uh, have a routine? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, a lot of women don't have um, a consistent cycle, um, and it's great if you do. Um, sometimes one of the reasons why women go on the pill just so they have consistency in their cycle and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you absolutely can fluctuate, and it's one of the great things about tracking your cycle so that you can see if there is a pattern um, to the way right. your cycle does fluctuate. Um, 
so yeah, it does. It does certainly happen. And we also know that not everyone has a normally um, or naturally functioning menstrual cycle. We have women who are um, what we call am- amenorrhea. They don't have a normal menstrual cycle. They might not bleed, um, you know, in that 21 to 35 day period. They might bleed every three months, six months, things like that. So um, it is very individual. And from a, a training perspective, um, how does it change when you're in the first sort of 15 days of your cycle to the second phase of, of your cycle? Yeah, so from a training perspective, um, I guess I want to preface this by saying that a lot of the data at the moment coming out in the research isn't um, that strong yet. Um, and mm-hmm. so a lot of the recommendations need to be taken with a lot of caution and you really should be working out what works for you individually. But based on the research that has come out, um, we think that performance might have a trivial decrease um, during the early follicular phase, so that bleeding phase. Um, so performance yeah. might be decreased during that phase, but at the same time there's evidence that shows that sprint um, performance is increased during that phase. So again, um, it's about working out what works for you. In comparison to that, um, we're seeing some pretty good um, evidence coming out that strength might be increased during the ovulation phase or the late follicular phase. Um, so yeah, in the middle of your cycle, that's when you might have, um, greater strength, but at the same time, we know that, um, ligaments have greater laxity during that ovulation phase. So you might be prone to, um, more ligament based injuries. So we think there might be a link between ACLs and cycle phase and things like that. I mean, it's certainly a watch this space type of, um, situation with the research still coming out. Um, and, and endurance as well. Um, so endurance might increase during the late follicular phase too so yeah wow that's interesting that's a so you're stronger your aerobic capacity is higher but you've got more laxity that's not a that's not ideal (laughs) (laughs) for injury anyway obviously for some performance if you can if you've got good stability um you know uh, to be on the positive side for athletes listening not to freak them out uh, you're going to be stronger and and, and you've got better capacity as well but for ligaments sake um you're producing more force and you're able to cover more distance, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting on. one. Um, but at the same time, the menstrual cycle we don't think has an effect on things like um, your oxygen oxygen consumption, your energy expenditure, um, your respiratory rate. Um, there's mixed results about RPE. Um, so it's, it's very different um, for individual people, I think. Yeah. Hey there, hope you're enjoying this episode with Liv Knowles. We're just going to take a quick break to hear a snippet from our interview with Meg Hutchins. Hope you enjoy. You've played with a lot of uh, high-level footballers and, and, and great teams. What are some common, doesn't have to be just physical attributes and, and skill attributes, but even the mental side as well that you've noticed and, and taken into your game? I, I think the, the real big thing, particularly for female footballers, is that ability and, and confidence to... to get a, um, a contested ball, whether or not it's in a, in a marking situation or in a ground ball situation. That's probably the, the biggest thing for me is that that's, that stands out um, from, a, from a performance point of view. You've got to be able to, you know, you, you, you've got a 50-50 ball, you have to make it into a 60-40 or a 70-30 or 100% your way. Um, so that's, that's probably the thing that, that stands out to me in terms of the, the st- the, the better players, I guess, and the ones that um, set the standards are the ones that actually see a situation um, that could be 50-50 and they make it into um, something more in their favour. 
To hear more from Meg Hutchins, at the end of this bite-sized episode with Liv Knowles, make sure to scroll to episode 55 on the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Now back to the rest of this episode with Liv Knowles. Hope you enjoy. And then you mentioned monitoring your cycle. So um, what, what, how would, what would be your recommended um, approach? So uh, how, you know, how much time should you be spending? Is it a daily ritual? Is it a weekly um, what, what would you be a recommendation for young athletes? To start with, it probably needs to be daily. Um, just if you're trying to work out how each different phase affects you, if you just want to know when you're going to get your cycle, you can just do it monthly. That's fine. Um, but if yep. you want to really have a solid understanding of how each phase and the way your body changes across those phases affects your, your training, your mood, your sleep, all of those sorts of things, your recovery, um, you're best to do it daily. There's some really mm. great apps out there um fitter woman is one of the the better ones and really athlete specific so you can go in on there and log each day one whether you've got your period or not but two your different symptoms so it might be whether you've got headaches or if you're having mood swings or you've got soreness or extra fatigue all sorts of things you can just click a little button that has little pictures come up so you can just easily click the one that um fits you and then it just records that and you're done in 30 seconds. Um, so if you can do that daily and if you can do that over a couple of months and build up a really good log of data, you can start to potentially see if there's any patterns with your training as well. So that particular app, you can also input what your training intensity has been that day as well. So if you've had a high intensity mm-hmm. session or a low duration session, for example, you can input that too. So you can start to sort of match um, the data with your symptoms and your cycle a little bit too. Yeah, right. So it can be act like a bit like a monitoring tool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And is it a matter of like on that topic, do you think it might be happening already? I'm not sure. But are there any interesting coaches in terms of individualization? Uh, is it too hard to be able to use it as a monitoring tool and, and adjust loads? Or is it more empowering athletes to have that awareness and to be able to communicate um, with their coach or their manager about where they're at and, and what trends they have with their cycle? Yeah, I think it's probably the latter at this stage, just based on where the research is at. I think the research isn't, I think um, the current sort of stat is that 70% of the current research is considered low quality. So it's probably not strong enough to be able to be making group changes from a coaching perspective. So at this stage, I wouldn't be, you know, um, I mean, it's hard in a football sense anyway. You've got, you know, 30 girls on a list. It's not very likely they're all um, cycling at the same um, time. So it's pretty hard to make those changes from a group perspective. Um, but I think, yeah, as you said, empowering um, and educating from an individual level so that, and being able to create conversations with coaches as well between your coach and your athlete to say, that athlete can say, look, I'm not feeling great um, because, of, because of this, I'm in this phase, this might be why. Um, and then you can discuss that with the coach, with the doctor, whatever it might be. Maybe you need to be eating more during that particular phase of your cycle to supplement um, your lack of energy or things like that. So. It's just a good way for you to be able to understand your body better, and that's what being an elite athlete's about, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I think in that sense, like males are sort of going, uh, we don't have that direct feedback as, as such. You've got to um, probably, well, you've still got to have good body awareness, but it, it could be a strength in the sense that you, once you've worked out what your yeah. trends are as an individual athlete, uh, you've got this tool that can give you some um, feedback. Uh, how, on that topic of nutrition, uh, recovery, uh, preparation as well, so in the weights room and conditioning. So 
once you've worked out your cycle and what works well for you, what would be um, some success stories that you've seen with athletes in, in some decisions they make um, due to their menstrual cycle? I think, as I've said before, it's just being able to have those conversations. But I think um, some of the players that I've worked with have understood when they sleep better and what they need to do around their sleep, particularly. Um, women often yep. report poor sleep when they're about to get their period. Um, so putting strategies around their sleep, for example, during that stage, what might be just doing some extra mindfulness before they sleep so they can get to sleep, things like that, um, or making sure they're having really consistent bedtimes during that stage um, because we know that's one of the best ways to improve our sleep is consistent bedtimes, bed and wake times. So being able to implement that around specific phases is probably, yeah, the biggest success thing I've had. But at the same time, um, it's also educating your athletes that, even if you have seen a pattern and you might see, you might feel like you lack energy or have greater fatigue during a particular phase, we also know that medals are won and records are broken at all phases of the cycle. We don't get to change competition mm. just because you're, you've got your period. Um, so at the same time, you kind of have to suck it up a little bit too. So it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. Um, you need to, you want to be aware of it and have that education and knowledge and be empowered by that but you also need to be able to put that to the side and say, I've trained for this. Um, I can execute this performance regardless of, of what my body is telling me from a, you know, a bleeding or hormone perspective. Yeah, I love that. So it's like a yeah, long-term future self. You're using it to make smart decisions, but at the end of the day, day yeah. of game day, it's a focus on the task. Um, yeah, spot on. Not a distraction. Um, what about common misconceptions and from, from athletes or, or coaches? What, what, what's out there that pops up? Um, I think probably that this is a female-only space. I mean, um, I think there's probably a lot of taboo around around talking about menstrual cycles and things like that, particularly from, you know, male coaches and things like that. And I think it's something that we can do better at opening up. It doesn't mean that we all have to, you know, deep dive on the topic and things like that, but it's just about being able to have conversations with your athletes regardless of your gender. Um, so, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things, just being able to have conversations with your athletes um, about how they're feeling um, because that's how you build trust and buy into a program as well. Um, I can't remember where I heard it, but I, I heard that athletes, well, not just athletes, but if females spend long enough time with each other, they do, their cycles do connect. Is that a, is that a myth or is there? Uh, I don't know if there's actual research on it, but I think I think we have, have all heard that, that housemates tend to link up. Um, but I haven't seen it happen in a football club. potentially. <laughs> Periodize for performance, maybe if we you find out your calendar year of your fixture and yeah, potentially. Um, but I mean, if you want to control your cycle, that's what contraceptives are for, right? As well. So um, a lot of our athletes are also using things like the pill or an IED so that they can control their symptoms if they have, you know, really bad period pain, for example. Um, they can speak to their club doctor um, and potentially use a contraceptive that will help with those symptoms. Um, and the research also shows that the performance, your performance doesn't really change on the pill either. The, um, I think there's evidence that there might be a small detriment to performance compared to normally naturally cycling um, women. But mm -hmm. if you're alleviating symptoms, that performance it outweighs that performance decrement. Um, yep. So, yeah. There's assistance out there. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And for, um, for the developing footballers, again, um, what would be some of your top tips um, to have better awareness around your menstrual cycle? So you mentioned journaling um, and the importance of lifestyle tips. What about uh, from a physical training point of view, 
what are some important things that you like to see uh, athletes are doing uh, as a high performance manager? Yeah, just listening to their bodies and um, we try and use a bit of an auto-regulation method um, in terms of our training. So if you're not, we know that, for example, 1RM changes on a daily basis. So, and that's the same and that can fluctuate with your sleep and that can also fluctuate with the menstrual cycle and things like that. So, um, being able to regulate your training, understand, knowing when you can really push and when you might need to pull back a bit and listen to your body um, so that you can recover better um, potentially for the game that's on the weekend. So it's just really about, yeah, I think like we said throughout this whole chat, knowing your body um, and having that understanding, but also that education piece. Um, there's a lot of great sort of pages out there, um, resources. There's a lot of podcasts um, and Instagram pages. One um, period of the period is really athlete-focused. Um, so I can chuck that to you so you can chuck it in the show notes. But, um, yeah. yeah, there's heaps of great resources out there. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll definitely add that in the show notes. And on that, um, thank you so much for, for jumping on. And like you said, it's important we normalize the topic uh, and, and look after athletes by considering um, the menstrual cycle uh, and, and like sleep and, nu- and nutrition uh, and training in the gym. It, it's an important factor for, for training and performance and health. Um, yeah. what, for those that want to pick your brain a little bit more, um, where's the best place to connect with you, Liv? Uh, probably Twitter. Um, I don't use Instagram for work, really, so Twitter's the best place to find me. I think my handle is with Knowles1. Fantastic, yeah. We'll add that in the, in the show notes. Thank you. Thanks, Jack. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian from Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, so I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be and then game changes game changes whatever that might be and look it probably keeps me in a job but that it does drive me insane because sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and you know and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary it unravels everything that i've been working with an athlete for yeah yeah another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the prepare like a pro live chat show here's an example with academy member rama davies the friendly conditioning coach at the box hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And, yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was, you spoke quite a bit about, um, perspective during that chat. Um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or, um, do physically that 
um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it, yeah, certainly, yeah, has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is, is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for, sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's you're having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review, or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.